Proverbs 23, the book of wisdom. And uh, we're going to read a verse that's probably familiar, but we're going to talk about how to get great change in our life. Real change, lasting change. So the seventh verse says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Notice the first part of that verse. As, for as he thinks in his heart. You could say it like this. The way somebody sees something in their core is the way their life is. So, no wonder the Lord told us, be careful about what you look at. Be careful about who you hang around with. You know, if you're always looking at things and seeing bitter, bitter, that'll get in you. Eventually, you'll be bitter. And so he said, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Or you could say, if you will work to change your heart, your whole life will change. And so many times, people are told, don't do this. So they try with their will to not do it. And with all good intentions, they may even leave church made a vow to the Lord and said, I'll never do that again. And about 1.30 rolls around, and I've done it twice. <laughs> Nobody's ever done that? Some of the honest people have. And, uh, but the issue is not just because, you know, I go, okay, I will not to do that anymore. He tells us if you want real change, You've got to change inside out. Information alone is not going to do it. Just having information, it's got to get in you. You with me? It needs to get in you. And so when he said here, notice this, for as he thinks in his heart. So he's talking about an individual in other words, it's not how I think in my heart about you that makes you what you are. What you think in your heart about me does not make me that. Because there were some people who said Jesus is a glutton, Jesus is this, Jesus is that, but it never made him that. So what made Jesus what he was, what makes us what we are or will be, is how we are in our hearts. And, you know, sometimes people will say, oh Lord, I need a change of heart. Change it. But have you ever noticed that doesn't always work like that? Now he'll work with you, but there has to be some kind of personal cooperation, right? And if you're not sure, we'll look at that. You with me? Because I don't know about you, but I want lasting change. And the Bible teaches us how to have real, lasting change. You want lasting change? It starts inside. And here's the thing. It's not always overnight, even with God. Now, when you get saved, you'll notice huge changes. But the thing is, you'll notice you didn't arrive. And the Bible tells us we have to control our hearts 
and govern our hearts because it becomes the parameters of our life. In other words, how I live, where I go, what I do, how I experience things, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, has to do with my own heart. And I'm not talking about your physical heart. I'm talking about your spiritual core. You know, when you talk about the heart of something, you know, what's, you know, have you ever talked to somebody and think, man, they talk a long time before they get to the subject? You know, they're like an airplane spinning, getting closer and closer, and then they're going to land. And what are they trying to do? They need to hit the target. It's the core. It's the heart of the matter, the center, you know, and, and so we want to get to the core the center, the heart of the matter. So when he talks about with the heart, he's talking about your core. Your core, the way you see, the way you believe. And it's interesting that God gives so much wisdom about this because he wants your life changed. Mine too. In a good way. You with me? He wants good for you because he's a good God. He, he's not a good God and wants bad for you. That would be outline, out of his character. And so, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 10th, or 2nd, 1 Corinthians 2, and we're going to look at the 10th verse, 11th and 12th verse. But how can we get our hearts changed, so to speak? You know, when you're, when you're looking for change, I want to know how to do it. How can I get change that's lasting? Because I don't know about you, but I know the Lord has dealt with me about things at different times in my life, and I needed a hard adjustment to move with it and stay with it. You with me? And so, how does that happen? Well, thank God that whether you're lost or saved, if you come to a place or hear from the Lord, you know, truths where God is working, He'll convict you in your heart. A lost person, He'll do that. But with a saved person, somebody who's given their life to the Lord, the Spirit is in them. Whether they're filled with the Spirit or not is a different story, but His Spirit is inside every believer, way down inside. And we talk about being led, and we talk about how the Spirit does this, and how the Spirit does that, and the Spirit does this, and you need the Spirit, you got to cooperate with the Spirit. This is a real big area that the Spirit works in. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and it has to do really with internal change. You with me? Internal change that becomes permanent change. You with me? I mean, if I struggle with a bad attitude and I always have a bad attitude, then I'm internally seeing stuff in a sour way. And it's just way, it's just the way I've allowed things to get ingrained in the core of me. But if I'm always looking at things positively, looking at the bright side, looking at the way up, the way out, it's, you know, just always, the sun is always shining. Oh yeah, it's behind the clouds, but it's shining. You know, it's just the way you look. It's because that's where your heart has gone to. It's been trained, disciplined. Maybe you were raised that way. But even if you weren't raised that way, you can change it. You with me? So 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, 
And, and here's the thing. We're not just talking about a positive attitude. We're talking about real external changes. They all start inside. External change that you desire starts inside. Notice this in 1 Corinthians 2, the 10th verse. It says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. What has he revealed to us? Well, in this context, it's all the good things he has for us. And then it goes on to say, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. How are we going to get the shallow things of God? And how are we going to get the deep things of God? By the Spirit. The truths, the things that we need in life, we're going to get it through Him getting it to us, because He knows them. And it goes on to say in verse 11, For what man knows the things of a man, except for the spirit of the man which is in him? That's huge. What's interesting about that statement is, who knows the things about your life? Who knows them? In your spirit does. Before I was walking with the Lord, I knew there was something missing with my life. I knew that I, something was wrong. I, I was missing something. I knew it. I knew it way down inside, but people said, but you got a really good job, and you have this, and you have this. But who knows the things of a man except for the spirit of the man that's in him? You know your own state, and it gets enhanced after you're saved because you become new, and you know your own state. You know if you have peace. You know where you're at with God. You know where you're at with his plan? How? In your head? No, in your spirit. Your spirit knows things your head does not know. And what's interesting is the spirit of God is in there to get you more stuff. More, not just knowledge, but wisdom. Notice this verse. It goes on to say, Even so, no one knows, no one knows the things of God, Nobody knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. The real true things that are of God, what He has for us, what He bought, what He paid for, nobody knows except. Didn't He say that? No one. In other words, you know yourself. Your spiritual part does. The Holy Spirit knows the things of God. Nobody knows them except for the Holy Spirit. Nobody. You cannot figure out His things apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't reason them into you. You can't just study. Because there's people who have a ton of information of Scripture and they really don't know the things of God. But they can quote it because the one who really knows the things is the Spirit who's in the believer. Well, then there's a bridge between Him knowing 
and no one knowing, which I would fall into the category of someone, which would be part of the no one. Right? You would too. So we're all doomed if that's where we're left. And there's a reason we would want knowledge and we would want wisdom because Jesus himself said, if you would come to know the truth, the truth would liberate your whole life. So what does it say? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Jesus, when he was in the earth, said, he said, I still got a lot to say to you, but he said, right now you're not able to bear it. And what's interesting, Jesus said, he kept conveying the things that were from God. But he said, but I'm going to leave and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so he can communicate to you the things of God. And right here in this verse, thankfully there was a verse 12 after 13 or you'd walk away going, nobody knows. Nobody can know. But actually, every believer can and should know the things of God. Why? He said, verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world. That spirit that we live by, the, the prince of the power of the air. Why? He doesn't really know the stuff of God. You can't travel the world's way and know the things of God. You can't travel religion's way and know the things of God. Because only the Holy Spirit knows the things of God. And he said, we as believers did not receive the spirit of the world. We don't want any of that. Why? Because no other spirit but the Holy Spirit knows, truly knows, the things that are of God. Period. He's actually called the spirit of truth. So what's he going to get to people? Truth. So if I get convicted by him, truth. If he guides me, that's truth. If he reveals information out of the Bible to me, truth. But notice what it says. Now, we have not received, we have received not the spirit of the world. But, this is good to know, because now we know that inside where the spirit is, it's this that we're getting is not of the world. It's of the spirit. But what does the spirit convey? What does he know? Well, nobody knows the things of God except for the spirit of God. And we haven't received the Spirit of the world, so what you are getting inside by the Spirit is only what He knows. Notice this. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. And you could interject right now, the one who only knows the things of God. Comma, that we might know. He's the only one who knows the things of God. We as believers have received Him who is the only one who knows the things of God. Why did we receive Him when we got saved? That we might know the things 
that have been freely given to us by the Lord. Why does He come in you after you're saved? So you can know what God has supplied. That tells me something. Before He came in me, before He came in you, if you're saved, there was stuff that was already there, that was already supplied, that was already given. Because when was it given? 2,000 years ago when Christ died, paid for everything. So it was there. That means before He was in me and before He was in you, there was information that was true, that was factual, that you did not know existed realities that you didn't know. So now that He's in us, there are realities that are so, that are real, that have been given, that He is trying to reveal to us. Why does He want to reveal them inside of you? Why does He live in you? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. So you can gather information with your head and just get so fixed in your will and set yourself that way. Or you can learn how to cooperate with Him in the Word and let Him open up the Word of God to you so that you start accepting truth and get taught out of the Word of God and liberty will come to you. What does it look like? Well, one verse says this, The kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking or keeping of rituals. But it's in righteousness, which means good standing. Peace. Boy, the world could use some of that. In the middle of storms. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He came in us on purpose for a purpose. To take you on. Beyond just salvation but into the fullness of what you received in Christ at that time. And it's interesting in those verses that we might know the things that were freely given to us. Could we live our whole life and not know, after we're saved, not know what was freely given to us? We could. How many of us have been in church? And uh, especially as you're new, and you're thinking, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. I believe that's a craving, a spiritual craving. And the Spirit of God starts teaching you, are like, well, I never heard that, I never saw that. How'd that happen? Him who knows all things will get these things to you. Not in your head, way down inside, you'll just know things. But if he does do this, and what is he doing? He's trying to take of what Christ paid for, the vastness of it, what our authority is, what is provided for us. Already. Something can be already provided, and without knowledge and without wisdom or without seeing it properly, 
or getting it in my heart, knowing it in my heart, I could miss out. Isn't that true even about salvation? God loves people who act crazy. God loved Adolf Hitler, and he killed millions of his covenant people, but God's love was extended to him, but he never came to that saving knowledge, I guess, and he ended up in hell. Was that God's plan for him? No way. No? Well, what was the problem? It didn't get in his heart. He didn't believe it. He didn't know. I don't know all the details. But he, in his heart, saw a different way, and that's why he killed. Jesus said it like this. Murder comes out of the heart. Adultery comes out of the heart. Bitterness comes out of the heart. Hatred comes out of the heart. Anger, an evil eye. All this stuff proceeds out of the heart. Now what's interesting is we have a choice of what we allow in our heart or what we fill our hearts with. But now that we're saved, the Spirit of God will help us. God is endeavoring always to work on our hearts. So when we have small dealings, he's endeavoring to work on our hearts. Why? Because he wants truth in your heart. He wants love in your heart. You know, the knowledge of that love and mercy. Why? Because it'll all flow, flow out of there once it's there. That knowledge, that truth that's revealed by his spirit. But here's the thing. I have a part to play in this. Ready to look at this real quick? My part to play. So there is stuff, even though we're in 2017, that is already provided. We just need to know about it. Because as a man thinks, so he'll become. Mark 4, this is Jesus uh, speaking here. Let me make this statement before I move on. 1 Corinthians 3.21, Paul, you don't have to turn there. Paul writing after he had talked to these Corinth Christians and talked about the Spirit revealing things, the verses before, he said that God has provided all kinds of stuff. Then the verse in the third chapter in the 21st verse, he said to him, or to them again, all things are yours in Christ. They weren't living right. They weren't doing stuff right. But it was still theirs in Christ. God just was trying through Paul to get those truths over to them. Because he knew if they would see themselves with the things that he said were theirs, it would revolutionize their whole life. You know, it's been said over the years, And you can see the principle in the Bible, what I truly behold, I become. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, when the Lord wanted people to be healed of the bites of the serpent, he said, put a brazen serpent on the pole and make them stare at it. And he was signifying that the bite of the serpent, when it was crucified on that cross in a figurative sense, or in that wood, He said, you know, it was born for them, taken for them, taken care of. He said, if they'll stare at the answer, the answer will become theirs. Stare at anything and it will get in you. 
So think about that. We live, live in a wicked world. Your light can be getting brighter and brighter while the world is getting darker and darker. All because of what we focus on. Isn't it interesting that Jesus himself said, talking about the end, he said people's hearts will fail. Not their physical heart, their spiritual hearts will fail because they look on the things that are coming on the world. But he said also when you see these things come to pass, lift up your eyes and look. Up here, don't get your focus down here. Why? Because what we behold gets a hold of us. But there is a way to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who lives in you so that you can get more in you. And the more you get in you, and I'm not talking about information, I'm talking about seeing a truth, getting it in your core, then the outside of your life will change. You know, I know somebody wrote a book called Effortless Change. I don't like the title, but the content, because, you know, effortless change is not true. But the fact of the matter is the truth that's in the book is a fact. In other words, if I change inside, the outside will just happen. But it takes effort to do the inside part. You won't get there being Lazy Bones Jones. If you don't know who he is, you have to turn back to the 70s or 80s. I just remember hearing that. Laying around like Lazy Bones Jones. I was like, I don't even know who that guy is, but he must look like this laying around. You ain't going to get it that way. But remember, the Spirit knows. The Spirit freely wants to convey. So his posture is already, I've got everything from God. I've got the truth. I know it all. He really does, and you don't. I, I know it all, and I've been given to you so that you can freely know and f experience all that's been freely given. So then that means I just need to cooperate with him. You ready to read a verse before we close this up? Mark 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The fourth chapter of Mark's gospel, and a real interesting verse, but when we read this and look at it in the light of our lives, we'll see this truth works spiritually, and this truth works naturally. Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark 4, 24, then he said to them, and what he had been talking about before is getting the truth in you so it makes effective change. And then he just throws this little thing here to tell you why it will and won't work for you or how to make it work for you. Notice he said, take heed what you hear. So in other words, be careful what you entertain. You say it like that. It, don't you have to, to hear something, you have to entertain it, right? No? You, you don't have to? Meaning you've ever been in a store and somebody tells you, do you hear that song that was playing? No. Then that means you didn't hear it. They did. They entertained it. Notice this. For with the same measure that you use, what's he talking about? Hearing. The measure you use 
When you hear, it will be measured back to you. But notice this, and you who hear, more will be given. Notice he said that, that phrase, you who hear, but aren't people hearing? Yeah, but everybody in here is hearing different. Some people are similar. Some people are listening different than others. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody? And uh, a spouse, a friend, and they're about to give you some important information. And they tell you this, and you heard them talk for like three minutes. And you said, what did you say? What, 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 did, what, what did you say? And then that person's like, all right, I'll tell you again. And then they'll tell you. And sad to say, there have been people who've done this. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Why? Did it have to do with the speaker? The person proclaiming? Or the receiver? Uh, that would be you or me. So he tells us right here how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The measure that you use when you hear is what you get. And if you hear, you'll get more. You could say it like this. If you truly hear from God in here, you got more. You just got the more you needed. You just started working from the inside out the change that will become permanent. But why is it that some people don't get when they read? Oh, I got to read. Okay, I read the Bible. It's a, it's a, no, no, no. All right, 20 minutes. That was what I needed to do. All right, I leave. And you go, did you get anything? Yeah, I read 20 minutes. But they didn't measure out. They did it like we would do it naturally and uh, they're distracted. If I'm distracted, that's not me measuring out my attention. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. It'd be better to read for 15 minutes than 30 minutes distracted, 15 undistracted, where you're looking at it, focusing on it. It'd be good for you to stop and go, wait a minute, Lord, I'm not going to allow these distractions in my life. You said I could give you my cares. I need to hear what's in here. Because he said the way that you listen and measure out is the way that you'll receive. Receive what? From God. Well, who's the teacher? The one who knows it all. Not you. Me either. Him. And so I have to, according to this verse... To cooperate with Him is be open-minded when I read my Bible, really focused. In other words, if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah, I know I've got to talk to you. Go ahead and talk. And then somebody, you know, I, you know, later on come back and she's like, well, why did you do this and why didn't you do that? What? Because I didn't measure out. I didn't cooperate with my hearing. 
And what's interesting, he said, when you hear, you just got more. Haven't we all been there when we heard something and we got more? We went, whoa, oh my. Then life starts transforming. I said, life starts transforming. So it'd be better for me to really focus. And I believe that's why God deals with people to put distractions aside too in their life. Quit watching all this. Quit doing all this. Quit being around all this. Just, just calm down. It's great we live in a busy society, but it's not always great to be busy when you're talking to the Lord. Right? It's just good. I used to say this. I haven't said it in a while, but when I would leave work, when I worked in a secular job for years, I would leave and purpose to not think on work when I drove away. And it was work at first to just put that stuff aside. All the world stuff aside. Why? I thought, they don't even pay, they pay me when I'm there, not when I'm driving home. So why do I need to think about this? I'm giving them overtime that isn't producing anything. And I could be hearing from God he could be revolutionizing my life and make me a different person, a better person that would be, do my company way more good. You with me? Remember the, the shepherds when they saw the Lord in the field or the, the angel in the field? They, they, had, they had gone up and Actually, an angel told them, you know, they, or they saw the star, they went to see the Lord. And then an angel, these angels appeared to him and said, you know, told him what to do. And they said, you know, this person's seeking his life. And so after they heard, they departed a different way. Well, that was a literal physical way that they left different. But when you do hear literally from him inside, you'll be able to leave a different way you'll be able to live a different way because that's how you get stuff in you. Remember this, one of my sayings, which I don't say, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Then make it that. Let him deal with you. Give him the opportunity by giving him some quality time. I don't mean quality time like quality time five hours. I'm in quality time. If you're going to give them five, give them good five. If you're going to give them ten, give good ten. Give it quality. Don't just go, I'm going to figure this all out. Okay, I'm going to study and figure it all out. You don't know it. You don't know it. He knows it. But he's been given so you can know it from him.